The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. I was telling the first service that, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I do drive up here every Tuesday, and it takes me an hour to get up here from Santa Maria. Uh, and I never, ever wake up on Tuesday going, oh, i got to drive to Paso to that church. It's always, oh, can't wait. And today is the same thing because your joy is evident. The joy of the Lord is evident through your giving, through your being here. You know, even when you come and you don't feel like being here, God still does something, right? It's usually when we push through, when we don't stay in the same spot, that when God moves us and, and moves us together. Uh, so I'm just really proud to be part of Highlands. And if you're listening through the podcast, we're really grateful that you're doing that. We want, we, our joy is to be connected with God and with one another, and especially the outsider. And this series is called Hope to Outsiders. And Paul's whole calling was to bring not his hope or a hope, but the hope of Christ to people who had been estranged, who didn't even know that they were lost. Have you ever met people that are lost but don't know that they're lost, and they, they come to find out that they're missing a lot of ingredients. They're, they're missing life itself. And Paul brings that message, and he brings it from a dark place, as Graham said. I want to look at the text right away, because I started preaching halfway through my sermon, and I didn't even read the text on the first sermon. So let's do that right now. Let's look at the text. This is chapter 4. We're going to get through about half of it. There's more that you can read. Why don't you read that together in, in your family settings today or in your time alone that if you haven't been able to do that lately. And it goes like this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for. Look at that. Isn't that the church? When you have your buddies that, and your friends that you grew up with, you have your family members that you probably grew up with, and then you have your church family. And for people who've, especially in other countries, all they have is their church family. Because when you serve Christ in different contexts, it is not well received, is it? And even some of you in this room, what you have is, is, is what the Lord is giving you with relationships with one another here because maybe your relationships with family members are estranged, maybe even because of Christ. And he says, I love you. I long to see you. He's in prison. And, and by the way, this is an actual photograph of part of the prison in Rome. I didn't mention that in the first service, so you guys get extra credit this service. This is... What he says, you're my joy and my crown. Who speaks that way? Does your boss speak that way? <laughs> hey, by the way, let's have stat my joy and my crown. Surround the table right here. You guys are my joy. Uh, no, that does not work, right? No, they're like, you're my pain in the... Um, <clears throat> my pain and my anguish, please surround us for... 
You're my joy and my crown, he says. Actually, I'm like a king because what the Lord has done in you and what I am privileged to bestow on you and give you, you are my prize. And this taught me a great deal before even entering ministry that Paul teaches me as a pastor and teaches you as a parent and as someone that owns a business or someone that is just living life. Students, whatever you're doing, that the greatest prize that we have is not money, it's not vacation, it's not the car that you don't drive anymore because you don't want anyone to touch it. It is not any of those things. It's not your furniture or your TV. But if you wake up to the relationships around you, those are the greatest joys that we have if we invest in them. You're my joy and my crown, he says. Wow. And I want you to stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Let's continue. I plead, and he just launches into this. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. There's a disagreement. Does he go into the disagreement? No. He says, yes, and I ask you, all of you in the church at Philippi, in the house church, You all know each other. You all know these two ladies are disagreeing about something. I plead with all of you to help these two women who've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Look at this. He says, right now they're not getting along, but both of these ladies have helped me. And because of our relationships with one another, help them settle this. Along with Clement, And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, how interesting it is that as he wraps up his letter, he gets very personal. He doesn't go into great detail because they already knew what the disagreement was about, no matter how small or how great. He says, "It life is too short and the Lord is coming too soon for you to squabble over small things. Why do we squabble over small things? Isn't that what we specialize? Can I just speak for myself? I specialize in my family of making really small things, very big things. And it takes me a few hours or sometimes days to say, that was really dumb. Too late. All right, next time. Let's continue reading the Word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's talking about church conflict, but he says, rejoice In the Lord, always. Can we just say that together? Rejoice in the Lord, always. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord, always. I want you to, I want that word to to permeate not just your skin, but get in your bones today. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Look at that. Joy translates into gentleness. Ah. Lack of joy translates into, do the math, anger, right? Right? You see, you see someone angry. You probably work with someone angry. You're probably married to someone angry. No elbows right now. We already know that. No elbows. Not, not allowed at Highlands Church. Pointing the finger, yes. No, I'm just joking. <clears throat> anger has to do with what? has to do with a lot of things. could be unmet expectations or hurt, usually the two. That's another sermon. 
If you're angry, that's something you to work on, not someone else. The Lord will help you with that. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. That's the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's how we're to approach God, with thanksgiving. Even the act of prayer puts you in the right frame of mind, even before you say a word. Let's continue. And the peace of God, as you pray for everything, as you're not anxious for anything, as you settle disputes because the Lord is near, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which the world does not understand, and not even the church understands fully, the peace of God, the shalom of God, the healing power of God, the power of God that makes you a whole person, a total human person will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look what he says here. It is God that will protect you. He uses a military term. The peace will watch over you like a sentinel. How many are grateful that God's looking, for, looking out for you and that God has your back? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, hello conference, whatever is admirable if anything is excellent anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things now for some reason when i said the word anything i thought of tri-tip right now i kid you not (laughs) kid you not and i'm not talking about tri-tip on a gas grill because i was deeply rebuked when i moved to the central coast that's not barbecue that's grilling oh my bad So I went to Costco, use red oak, don't use any of that other stuff. Okay, I will get the red oak. How many know that something excellent about (sighs) tri-tip? If anything's excellent, think on these things. If what you made last night wasn't good, don't think about it. Whatever's true. If you hear something in school at Cal Poly or in the high school that's true, that's come from God. If it's not true, it didn't come from God. If it's pure, if it's lovely, if it's admirable, even if it's from an artist that doesn't know God that makes a creative work, that displays the glory and the image of God. Even though they didn't dedicate it to the glory of God, it is still speaking volumes of the creativity that God gives everyone. Now, this is contrary to how I was raised. Because it was us against them. In fact, I grew up in the Assembly of God Church. We believed that we would have our own corner in heaven. We don't know what they're doing over there, but we're in. Not sure about that over there. What denomination is that over there anyway? We're good right here. We're good. I was taught a lot of no's. And you know what? I appreciate the attempt to guard against sinful behavior or sinful patterns. But how many know that a list of no's doesn't accomplish righteousness? It just accomplishes either legalism or moralism. Where you try to be right in your own 
or you make everyone suffer for not obeying what are the rules. But this is contrary to that because it leaves you to use the wisdom that God is giving you to make decisions and to value what's true and what's good, even in places that are, you know, know, what's going on here, you know? This is interesting here, that you can be in a home that is dysfunctional. You can be in a neighborhood that's so broken, and yet you can see signs of God at work. So instead of shutting ourselves off from the world, Jesus says, be the light in the world. That's who you are. You don't shine the light all together and not, and not walk around. So this is contrary to how I was growing up. I could say more about that, but we're not here for that. Let's go on. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, oh my goodness, put it into practice. Can you say that today? To your family, are you in a position of management at your work? Can you say this to your grandkids? Whatever you've learned or received or heard or seen in me, how many know that children usually see more than what you say? How did they get that attitude? I didn't teach them that. Oh, yes, you did. I don't know why my kids talk back so much. Really? You don't know why? I have a 15-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old, soon 13-year-old daughter. Just extend your hand right now. Every time I say that, just ext- you, should, you don't need an invitation. Just extend your hand out there. My son's turning six today, my son Elijah. I know I heard there's another birthday out there, a young, a young girl out there. God bless you. Whatever you've learned from me, put it into practice. Whatever you've received from me, whatever I've given you, put it into practice. Whatever you've heard me say, whatever you have seen in me, even when I was not talking, put it into practice. That is my life that is my life from this point on. I can't help yesterday, but that's what I'm going to work on. From, you know, on my deathbed, I want to be able to say that to my children and grandchildren. I don't even have grandchildren yet. I don't know why I said that. that okay, that's weird. Uh, and if my daughters, my daughters are listening or my sons are listening, don't do anything right now. Slow down. Whatever you've seen in me or heard in me, Wow. What a confident, mature statement. Wouldn't you love to say that on your deathbed to your loved ones? How does that happen? God's peace. God's work of wholeness in our lives. And Paul was so confident he was able to say that. I want to pray as we continue. Lord, we're feeling inadequate right about this point because... We don't rejoice in you at all times. And because we're not able to say whatever you've seen in me or whatever you've heard from me, put it into practice. But Lord, you're the God of the impossible. You're the God that transforms hearts. You're the God that doesn't give up on us. And so we ask that in this time that you would give us strength 
in wisdom and insight and help us not stay in the same place but move us forward to you because of your hope at work in our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want to talk about hope through joy and joy that lasts because my friends, there is no other kind of joy. The only kind of joy out there that's real joy is lasting joy. And if we've ever experienced joy that doesn't last, might I I suggest to you it was not joy in the first place. What? Joy that lasts. Is there really such a thing? That sounds like a great book. That sounds like a good sermon. That's why I'm preaching it. Joy that lasts. Someone is in here thinking, really? Joy that lasts? Give me a break, Pastor. Do you know my life? Do you know my week? What I've gone through? What I'm going through? Do you know my spouse? Do you know, my, you know what my paycheck looks like? Have you heard my car or smelled my car? Do you know my kids? Joy that lasts. Someone is in here thinking, no, Pastor Israel, that's too far. You've crossed the line into religious speak. You've crossed the, the territory of rhetoric. You've lost me. Joy that lasts. Come on. All we know in this life is momentary joy. The joy of buying a new car and the new car smell, and as soon as you eat a nacho bel grande, it's over. That's it. But let's be real, Pastor Israel. It is from one joy to another, not joy every day or joy in every season or joy when I don't have enough. It's when I do have enough. That's joy. And I have to tell you, you're wrong. You're talking about happiness, not joy. Now, Amazon has a lot to say about joy. There's the joy of cooking. I bought that for my wife, and I actually use it more than she does. There's the joy of living. Buddhists love to talk about happiness. Uh, You can hear multiple talks, more Buddhist monks talking about happiness than Christians on YouTube. Why is that? Because a lot of Christians are miserable, that's why. Can we just say that? Are we allowed to be real? Have you ever, a miserable Christian is an oxymoron. Should never happen. You can be a grieving Christian. Paul says, don't, don't be like people who don't know God. Grieve with hope. We should not grieve like people who don't know God. Grieve with hope. There's the joy of living, and in it, this Buddhist is talking about that joy is not on the outside, it's in the inside. And I agree that joy is actually strength in your bones. But it did not just simply, it wasn't simply always there. That is the big fundamental difference. When Buddhists and Christians talk about joy, there's a huge difference. The difference is this. Buddhists say it's already in you. Christians say you didn't have it. It's always a gift from God. There's the joy of parenthood. (laughs) 
Really? The joy of... I love that picture. No, there's a joy of parenthood when they're asleep, okay? (laughs) Uh, I'll write that book. It'll be one page. Put them to sleep on time every day. That's That's my book. How about the joy of painting? Is that a joy of an afro or the joy of painting? I don't know what that is. What is joy? Does it come from something you have or is it something that you do? Is it a pursuit or a paradox? Or worse, is it an illusion? You have friends, you have family members, you have people that you work alongside who think, who really think there's no such thing of joy that lasts. And it's the greatest gift that God gives to humanity. And it is the greatest thing to share with others. Not to rub it in their face, but to simply let it overflow in thankfulness and praise. When people see you go through huge obstacles and huge setbacks in your life, and they say, how do you keep your composure? How are you still smiling at times? Even through the tears, I see strength in you. How is it that you've lost your home and you're not cursing like when I did? How is it that you lost your job, you've lost in this marriage, and you still have, you're still standing? How is that? How is that possible? We have to say that it's possible because that's, we serve a joyful God. Did you know that the first thing that God did was create the world, and the reason why God created the universe and the worlds is simply this. It is not because God was lonely. It was because God is joyful, so satisfied. He didn't need any. God didn't need anything. And therefore, creation is an expression of joy. It's an expression of being satisfied. See, I was taught God was kind of lonely, so he needed someone to talk to. That is heresy. God is not needy. God's joyful. And God sends his son into the world, not in order to try to muster up love for us, but because of the great love for the world and all the people groups in this world, all the people that speak all the different languages and eat different foods like tri-tip. He loved us all. Even if you cook it on the grill, God still loves you. (laughs) And God loves you so much that he is entering into your situation and you just have yet to identify that. The first characteristic I want to say about joy is something that you should already know. And I want to remind you what you already know. It is not externally dependent. It is seriously like that soap, right? Strong. Not externally dependent. The joy that God gives you is not dependent on what happens on the outside. That is the fundamental difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes from the word hap. Did you know that? I'm not making this up. Serious. Happiness comes from the same word where we get the word happen. So if something happens, you might be happy. If something else happens, you might not be happy. 
It depends on what happens. Are you happy? I don't know yet. (laughs) Well, why not? Because I don't know what's going to happen. Well, when are you going to be happy? I'll let you know. How come you're never happy? It's none of your business. You just made me unhappy with that question. I'd really be happy if you leave. <laughs> and I think, that, I think our culture is addicted to happiness. I, I know I am, because that's what, that's what sinfulness is. Say, what? God doesn't want me happy? Oh, God wants you not, not just happy, joyful. See, if you're only happy, it's going to depend on if, if everyone's meeting up to your expectations. And then you become a connoisseur of life. Or a connoisseur of worship. Or a connoisseur of marriage. Oh, that was okay. You can do better next time. But if you become joyful, you say, I'm not the measuring stick. Me, I have a lot to grow. And I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to appreciate what God is doing around me. Even when I suffer loss. You see, joy that lasts is not happiness because it does not depend on the outside. And the second point I want to say about joy is this, is that joy is not the absence of sorrow or pain. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because a lot of you, the only reason that you got here and the only reason that you are here and the only reason that you get up in the morning is because you have strength that does not come from anywhere else but God. It is the strength that my mother had when my father died when I was four years old. And she prayed with us every single night in the tears of her sorrow. She still prayed. She still read the Bible. She still went and gathered with the church when everyone else was clapping their hands and singing praise because we don't have many praise songs that have lament in them. But she still went. And everyone said, what are you doing? Her friends who were somewhat religious and somewhat in it or out of church said, well, why don't you give up? God's taken something from you that you will never have again. And my mother said, how can I walk away from the God who gives me life? And even in my death of my husband, God will bring life again. It is not the absence of sorrow and pain. And that's why Paul says, this is why Paul says this. He says this. Rejoice in the Lord. It is nonsense and reckless and foolish to rejoice in or about suffering. That is not Christianity. Do you see the difference? When you lose a job, you shouldn't say, oh, thank God, I, unless you don't like the job. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm suffering. No, that's weird. <laughs> when you get a raise or you get fired, whether it's just or unjust, you say, Lord, you're going to take care of me. And I rejoice in your care over my life. I don't rejoice in this. It doesn't feel good. 
So joy is not ignorant. See, that's what, that's what people think about Christians, is that we have our head in the sand. Or we have our head in heaven, and our bodies down here. Our head's in the clouds. Can't really, and I think some people preach that, that you shouldn't pay attention about the world. You shouldn't pay attention about the needs of the world. Don't even pay attention about it. You just run up your credit cards, and one day God's going to come back. You better not do that. We have Financial Peace University around here. You're going to tell you something different. Do not run up your credit cards. Invest in relationships. Invest in the life that God gives you, even if it's upside down at the moment, because God is going to do a new thing in your life. Rejoice in the Lord. Wow, I'm going long now. I want to say this as we conclude. It's one thing to talk about joy. It's one thing to read about joy. It's quite another to experience it. That's what someone told me outside. Isn't that right? It can't explain it. It's inadequate even to preach on it because there's someone in here that says, you know what, I'm reaching for that, but I don't know how to get it. And others of you, when you try to explain the joy in your life, it doesn't sound right to other people because they have yet to experience it. So my prayer is this. Don't focus on joy. Don't focus on circumstances. Focus on the Lord. Reach out to the Lord. He's reaching out to you. That's what Philippians is all about. Rejoicing in the Lord who's reaching out to us. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to live life apart from you or with just a little of you. We want to know you and to grow in the knowledge of you, to be known by you as well. And Lord, we want you to do something marvelous in our, in our hearts, in our families, in our, in our job places. Lord, help us to approach the places where we work and where we live and, and say, I don't do this for a paycheck. I don't do this for respect. I do this because of the, the joy of the people you've given me, even those who don't know you. Lord, give us a worldview of joy. Show us how you see the world. Give us an aerial view of what you're doing. We confess, Lord, that we're addicted to happiness and we really need to be grounded in joy instead. It's much healthier. Lord, would you put strength in the bones of the weak, in the grieving, and even of the strong in this room today. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at Highlands